0: If you do not have a a little book a little notebook that you can call your prayer journal something that you can write your prayer request down in uh, Scott, why don't you take take a handful out of here and uh pass them out if you uh, got one of these last week, of course you don't need one, but if you weren't here and you don't you don't have anything like this, it's just a simple notebook but it's it's a good way to get you started. We're going to cover uh, several scriptures uh, tonight uh, to give a biblical basis of what uh, what we want to do in prayer. Uh, and uh, right there in the book rack in front of you, of course, is a Bible. What we'd like to do, first of all, is look to Ephesians chapter 6. Actually, we're going to touch on four scriptures tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, that's the warfare chapter. You know, that's the chapter that when you read it, you say to yourself, wow, now I understand what, I've been, what I'm in for and what I've been fighting. We're in a spiritual war. And uh, the interesting thing about Ephesians chapter 6 is it tells you what what type of uh, armament that we're to have to fight the spiritual warfare. One of the young men in our church uh, told me here a while back that every morning he gets up before he gets ready to go to work, he puts on the armor of a God that's described in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're not going to go into all that, but we're going to touch on two verses here, verse 17 and 18, Ephesians 6:17 and 18. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's uh, one of the offensive weapons we have is the Bible, that's important. But then right on the heels of it, we have in verse number 18, look at these next verse, this next verse, praying always with all prayer, that means all kinds of prayer. You know, there are different kinds of prayer. Uh, there's, uh, you know, prayers of praise, there's prayers of confession, there's prayers of thanksgiving, there's prayers of supplication, there's prayers of silence. Uh, And so what Paul is saying here is I want you to put all kinds of different types of prayer in your arsenal, okay? Praying always, just always be praying. Now that doesn't mean that you have to completely take your mind off of everything else you're doing because you can't do that. But every opportunity you get in life, what the Bible teaches us is we're supposed to try to be in communication with God, Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication, notice this, for all the saints. Uh, We've been talking about this on Sunday morning. Uh, One of the things that we're supposed to be doing is praying for all the saints, people around us, people who are Christians. Uh, It's important to pray for them. Why? Because uh, we're all in a spiritual battle, aren't we? And Satan's trying to knock you off. Satan's trying to knock you out of the game, knock you out of the battle. And we need the strength of God, and we need each other. And the, the best way that we can support each other is to pray for each other. You know, you've heard the old adage, the family that prays together, what? Stays, Stays together, it really does. Uh, the church that prays together, what? <laughs> Stays together, same thing. Uh, the people of God that pray together... Stay together. And as we stay together, we learn how to work better with each other. And, uh, you know, that's a lifelong process, learning how to work with each other. Okay, that's our first scripture. The next one is the one that we used last week. Let's go there, John chapter 15. Uh, John chapter 15, Jesus is getting his disciples ready uh, for his departure. And he is talking to them about what he wants from them. Even though he has departed from them, he wants them to spend time with him in the spirit. You know, Jesus is in heaven. He sent his spirit to be with us. Uh, We spend time with him through prayer. And, uh, you know, he likens his people to a garden. And we're not going to repeat these verses, but verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. No one cares for the church like the gardener. Nobody cares for this church and every other church like it that preaches the Bible like the one who planted it. And he watches over it. He superintends it. And uh, here he likens our church and the people of God to a grapevine. Grapevines are not planted for their beauty. You don't find many people saying, oh, isn't that a beautiful grapevine? Wow. Wow. Uh, usually, people say, Man, can that thing bear grapes? You know, there are lots of things that we plant for beauty. Grapevines aren't one of them. We plant, we plant grapevines for what? Fruit. And so the Lord likens you and me to a grapevine. He says, Listen, I've planted you in the world so that you bear fruit. And I want you to, to be a bearer of fruit, I want you to bear more fruit, and then I want you to ultimately bear much fruit, right? It's kind of progressive. We start out as a new believer. We don't bear much fruit. We bear a little bit of few fruit. And as we grow in God, we, be, we become greater fruit bearers. I've, I've discovered that the greatest way to bear the most fruit is to learn to be a great prayer. You know, there's only so much you can do with your hands. There's only so many places you can go with your life. But you can multiply your ministry to tremendously if you learn how to pray. And we learn how to pray by doing it, not going to class on it. You know, people are going to classes forever about things. Prayer is one of those things we learn how to do it by doing it. And so he's appealing here to his disciples to spend time with him in his absence. And then verse number seven is the prayer verse, okay? Okay. If you abide in me or you spend time with me, and my words spend time in you. Now, I kind of simplify this thing and say that it means this. If if you uh, spend time with me in prayer, and you let your words spend time in you, that's the Bible. You let God speak to you, and you speak to God. It's kind of a two-way thing here. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, that's a pretty powerful promise, isn't it? Man, kind of blows me away. The Lord says, listen, you just spend time with me. You hang out with me. Let my words penetrate your heart. And then when you pray to me, I'll give you what you ask. Now, there is a stipulation there. And the stipulation is this. Is whenever we spend time with the Lord, what he does is he changes our desires. This is the key to the whole thing right here. You know, we just don't go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I made my list for today. Here it is. Uh, It's like a shopping list, you know. This is what I want you to do in the next 24 hours for me. We don't do that. As we spend time with the Lord, what he does is he changes our desires. He really does. You know, when you start out as a Christian, you have all these different kind of desires, and 30 years later, you have a whole new set of desires. And those are the desires that God desires that you pray to him. And so as you spend time with God, God changes your desire. And so it's those, I call them sanctified desires that God will answer. Those sanctified desires that you have. The scripture, of course, is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the, what? Desires of your heart. It's pre- the last part is predicated on the first part. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It just doesn't say he'll give you the desires of your heart. You have to delight yourself in the Lord, and when you do that, he changes your desires, and then you, then you learn how to pray the things that are in God's will. Okay, spend time with me. Now, in our busy society, this is hard, isn't it? Some of you people here, are, you hit the ground running this morning. You woke up afraid. You said, Lord, if I make it through this day, or you're saying if I can make it through this week maybe I can have another week to make it on earth you're flying through this life well uh, there's one thing you cannot afford to fly through and that's your time with God you cannot say to God God you know I am just too busy this week to pay any attention to you because that's like one whole week of lost spiritual growth. It really is. Now, you've done that, I've done that many times. But it's something that we don't want to do. Now, and so our first point is this, if you're taking notes. God wants us to pray intentionally. Not by accident, not when we're forced to, but when we make our divine appointment with the Lord. you know, we have appointments with every, everybody. Some of you have your appointments on your, uh, on your phone. Some of you have your, your calendar. You, you have appointments everywhere. Uh, we need an appointment with God. And that only makes sense, but it's something we don't. We used to have a Bible teacher in our church many, many years ago. He was incredible as a teacher. Uh, he would just like hold you spellbound. And uh, when we started to teach about prayer in the church, he said, you know, I never really prayed very much. He said, I could always get my Bible study uh, organized, but I could never get my prayer life organized. And so he could dazzle you with what he knew about the Bible, but he was real anemic in prayer. And so that's what we're trying to teach here in these sessions. Remember Corey Timboon. Uh, Ten Boone said, don't pray to God when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. I love that. Uh, The first thing that should hit our mind in the morning is our appointment with God. Now, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, is that the only time of the day that you can pray or, or you can do this appointment? It is not. But I think it's the best time. If I get the slightest thing on my mind, it's hard for me to concentrate on prayer. You know, if I start thinking about what I have to do for the day, and it's all this stuff's going on in my brain, when I try to start praying, it's like, oh, I've got to think about God first. That hasn't always been that way. And so don't feel depressed if uh, the first thing in the morning is not the best time for you. Okay, let's look at another passage of Scripture while we're looking at Scripture here, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The Lord said to Peter, Satan has come to me and he has requested you. He wants to take you back. He has asked for you. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Uh, I believe that that could be said of every single one of us. Every single person I know who claims to be a Christian, Satan wants you back. He is not content. He'll never be content with losing you. And he'll never be content until he ruins you as a Christian. And it's interesting to, for me to see how the Lord responded to this right here. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. I have, uh, he could have like snapped his fingers maybe and performed some sort of a miracle to deliver Peter. But remember, he is our, he is our model He is the model of prayer in the New Testament. And so whenever you see Satan trying to capture you and capture your friends, uh, the best way for you to respond to that is to pray for them, that their faith would not fail. You should have a whole list of Christians that you're praying for that their faith does not fail. If I were to ask you tonight, how many people here know Christians whose faith failed them? You would say, boy, I remember that guy. He... His faith—he's—he's he's out to lunch right now. His faith has failed. Uh, well, Jesus responded to this emergency right here. He says, "But I have prayed for you." One other—one other verse, and that's in the book of Philippians, chapter four. Remember, in Sunday morning we're in Ephesians, Philippians chapter four, uh, verse number six. Uh, here's something. Uh, this is a command, Philippians four six. And this is the this is a big one right here, uh, because uh, once once you learn how to do this, it really helps you. Philippians four six says, "Be anxious for nothing." That means don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We could uh, paraphrase it by saying this: Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Now. I know all of us in our crazy world, we're prone to worry. We're, we're almost addicted with it, don't you think? I mean, we turn on the TV and they give us five million things today that we should be worrying about, right? Well, what God says is this, don't, don't worry about those things. Start praying about them. Uh, yeah, you can use that as a stimulus for you to pray. And so what that means is every time I read this, I'm a little taken by it. It says, pray about everything. So what that essentially means is this. Now, should our prayer life be this big or this big? This big, right? Everything is a big thing, isn't it? We should be praying, learning how to pray about every single thing in our life. And you might say, man, that just like absolutely blows me away because my life is so big and so complicated and so intertwined with so many people. That simply means that we've got to spend, we have to start spending more and more time with the Lord, and so that 's why last week, how many people are here tonight you were not here last week? Would you raise your hand? you were not here? Well oh, about at least a third. okay, last week, we passed out this piece of paper and it says, "Let prayer change your life." And down at the bottom it says, the right way to pray is to write it all down. And I want to ask you to repeat that with me tonight because we can't hear that statement enough. The right way to pray is to write it all down. Now, I know there are lots of different ways. Please don't understand me. That's not the only one. That's just for our benefit in this class. The right way to pray is to write it all down. If you can become a person who makes prayer lists, You can be a powerful prayer. Uh, Somebody told me, and I've never seen it, one of the greatest prayers in our church, uh, Matt Pettigrew, has lots of different prayer lists that he prays from. And uh, he is uh, one praying machine, that man. And so we taught you last week that to categorize your little notebook under these subjects... And then the three principles that we're going by is set a time to pray. That's your divine appointment. When's yours going to be? If you don't make an appointment with God, I guarantee you, you won't keep it. You won't keep one. Satan will find out, give you so many things to do that God will never come up on the radar screen. So, when will you make your appointment? Uh, first of all, set a time, secondly, record the time, and thirdly, increase the time. And what I've discovered is this, is when you start out with this little book and you start writing down your praises, now this is so anybody can do this. This is so simple. When you start writing down your praises, I mean, it's not going to be long. You're going to have like four or five pages full. And then you can go back through them and pray them back to God. And just keep saying, Lord, I see here last week you did, this was incredible. I don't want to forget about this, Lord. I want to praise you again and again. And the Lord's going to say, wow, this is really praise. Okay? Um, and so your praise section is going to grow. Your confession section, You, I don't even know if you need to have that. Just have it in your brain. Somebody may find your book. It'll be all over for you. Okay? Uh, and, and all, these, all these categories, all these categories, uh, how many people do you know in your circle of influence that need to be saved? You ought to write every one of their names down. You might say, that's crazy, Pastor. i got about 50 names. Write them down. And call them out before God in prayer. I, I brought my little uh, prayer thing to show you part of it tonight. Uh, mine started out something like this and they ended up something like this and so I'm not asking you to do anything like this this is 17 years later I started out like this this is 17 years later it's not pretty but it works now here are my praise slips see them Uh, there, there may be as much as ten, as many as ten sentences of things that I write down first in the morning for which to praise the Lord, and then I go back the next morning and I read them back to God. All these things, Lord, I praise you for this and I praise you for that and I praise you for that and I I just kind of get lost in it, and it's like the most exciting thing I do. It is more exciting, yes, than confession. Can I have an amen? amen? It is more exciting than struggling with some, for someone's salvation. This is praising God. And this is the purpose for which we are made. You know, whenever we talk about praising the Lord in the church, uh, you just think about it for a minute. I say, okay, church, praise the Lord. And you say, okay, Lord, I praise you. Okay, what's next? I'm stuck. Now, when you write it down... You have a lot of stuff for which to praise the Lord. I have stacks and stacks of this stuff. I'm not showing this to impress you. I'm just showing you that, that this helps me to keep focus on the things that, for which I praise the Lord. Um, I have uh, other things I pray for. I have tons of things I pray for. And, and I write it all down. I'm, I'm just showing this to you to say that the best friend you can have is a pen and some paper. Uh, remember this summer I asked you to sign up for prayer and I said if you, you give me your name in prayer I'll pray for you. Well here's your names. I prayed through these almost every day, day throughout the summer. If you if you signed up to pray I called out your name before the Lord in the morning. Uh, here's my personal spiritual goals. I think they're, they're on the list there. You should, you should have some spiritual goals. I ask the Lord to make me... See how crummy that is? I, I ask, Only I can read that. I ask the Lord to make me a person of faith. I pray, that, I pray that every morning, Lord, make me a person of faith. And I have a verse to go with that. What is faith? Faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the conviction of things we cannot see. I asked the Lord to make me the best prayer that I can be. I pray that prayer. I've had I had a missionary write me an email and he said I really struggle in prayer. I said, "Why don't you ask God to help you to be a better prayer?" He wrote back, "Oh, that's a good idea." He's a missionary. Now, when we struggle, that's when we're supposed to pray about, right? The things we struggle. I write in there, "Lord, make me the best prayer that I can be." I don't I didn't say, "Lord, make me the best prayer in Pittsburgh." I just want to be the best that I can be. That's all. I don't want to be better than anybody else. I just want to be the best that I can be. I, uh, I Lord, help me to be the best worshipper that I can be. I've learned a lot about worship. I really have. You know why? Because I've prayed about it. People say, "Well, I don't know nothing about worship." I think most people don't know anything about worship, truly. Uh, I say, Lord, help me to be the best faster that I can be. I, I fasted the last 10 years, two days a week. You might say, that's incredible. I never even thought about it. I just prayed about it. Uh, help me to be the best memorizer I can be. You see, don't you, all these things are in the will of God. See, when you pray in the will of God, you know what God's answer is? Mike, if you say to God, help me to memorize scripture, what's God's answer? Is it yes or no? You got it. So people say, I can't remember any scripture. I know them. I can't find them. Okay. So that's just a few things. Uh, here's Dr. Kaplan, my doctor. I have, he called me the other day. I didn't tell you about it. I can't keep you up to date on it at all. He called me. He said, Pastor, I just want to come back to the church. He said, you'll never know how many people I've told. This is my Jewish 93-year-old doctor. He said, you don't know how many people I've told about your sermon and your service. It was so great. So he's coming back, um, but I pray. I I pray for him. Oh, here's here's a list of people that come to our church that are unsaved. They're not Christians. Do you think I could ever remember this list? You see that? I can't even remember when I read it. These are uns, These are not Christian people that come to our church. Here's a prayer list I've had for 10 years. You know who's at the top of it? Jeff Lawrence. Jeff and Beth come to our church. Uh, I still pray that list. I, I can't give this stuff up. I I don't know. Maybe. Uh, here's the deacons' prayer list. We give the deacons a special prayer list to pray. Uh, since they're supposed to be... Our best helpers, the Lord will guide us to shepherd our church through contacting and prayer that God will help us develop the most comprehensive and secure prayer covering that the Lord will build build our prayer service that our school property will sell praise the Lord we checked out baby on that was a hard one and on and on it goes um, here's our Saturday night service of people to t- 10 on Saturday night, I pray for them every day, just about. That's the side door. Remember, the teenagers passed this out, the, the graduates for this year, I pray for them. You might say, this takes a lot of time. It really does take a lot of time. <coughs> Here's a pastor friend of mine, his son is in prison. I wanted to pass it around. I look at him in the morning. He's been in prison about four or five years now. I think he has about five more to go. He's a pastor's son. I'm in the car business, as you know. I meet so many guys with cars. I'm praying for them. Sometimes I take their picture. I put them in my prayer journal. Here's the guy who bought my car off. I pray for him. Just pass it around. Look at that car. That's not mine. That's another one he has. Here's a guy in Bethel Park I met. I took a picture of his car. I pray for him. So while I'm praying in the morning, I'm looking at cars, too. Yeah. This looks like, you said on Sunday you prayed for about an hour. This looks like six hours to get there. I pick and choose. I pick and choose in this, in this group. Uh, here's the Supreme Court. I pray for the Supreme Court of our country. I know all the conservative judges by heart. I, did, I haven't asked God to let me know the other ones yet. But I pray for them. There's nine of them. Five are conservative. I pray the Lord will protect them. The them. Yeah, they're the ones with the stars next to them. See that? Yeah, and listen to this. I have a request. Give us a strong conservative vice presidential candidate. Amen. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Thank God. <laughs> I pray for Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh. Excuse, excuse me all the conservative talk show hosts Uh, you might say "But this is a lot of praying anyway that's just a a small glimpse of things that I pray for here's one other thing I'm going to jam this in there's a little piece of paper that somebody gave me long ago it had two names on it I didn't know who they were you know when people give you something it's hard to hand it back and say no I won't pray for them It was blue. No, It's a blue piece of paper. Tony and Gloria. Uh, They run the dry cleaner from Bethel Park. I never knew them. I took my clothes there. I still do. Right next to Evie Hardway. I started praying that God would save Tony and Gloria. I got a call from the dry cleaners and the boss of Tony says, listen, will you do a funeral for us? Listen, I didn't know those people. He said, will you do a funeral for us? One of the girls that worked here died. I said, yeah, I'll be, I'll be glad to do it. Uh, so I went and did the funeral. At the funeral, Tony's wife, Gloria, raised her hand to be saved. I've been praying for her for a couple of years. She raised her hand to be saved. Two years later, a girl showed up in our Saturday night service. She said, I was in that funeral service you preached two years ago. And I said to myself, I want to go to that church, but it's taken me two years to get here. I'm here. She has since brought about ten people to our church, that one person. The moral of that story is somebody gave me a piece of paper with two names on it that I didn't know. Now, I'm still praying for Tony. And so I'm saying this. That unless we write this stuff down, there's no hope that this stuff can hardly come to pass in our circle of influence. Okay, now you have your other little pieces of paper there, A discussion pieces. I want you to break up now in, in uh, girl, ladies with ladies, guys with guys, three or four people in groups. Let's spend uh, seven or eight minutes talking about this. Uh, the questions, uh, You just grab a, somebody, tap somebody on the shoulder, take three people. You can go over on the other side of the church there.